0: You know, if there are going to be good things coming out of the situation that we're all in now, hopefully people being at home with their kids all day, you know, and, and having to. I used to be a teacher as well before all of this. Um, and it can be hard. You know, people will come and they'd say about their, you know, five year olds like, I can't get him to stop playing on the iPad. It's like, he's five. What do you mean you can take it away? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like and talk to him. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, hopefully now that we're all home, you know, with the, the kids that instead of them driving you crazy and you're driving them crazy, which I'm sure will happen. <laughs> um, there can be a little more sitting down to have dinner together and a little more, you know, not running off to soccer practice every afternoon and hockey practice and whatever else people do. I mean, I couldn't believe how crazy busy I couldn't even make dinner some nights because I was too busy driving my kids around. Um, and that's kind and that's kind of the society a lot of America is living in
1: right now. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the nowhere to go but up podcast if you want transparency and authenticity you're in the right place this is the nowhere to go but up podcast and this is sean dustin
2: what's up everybody thanks for stopping by the show i'm the host sean dustin if this is your first time listening welcome if you're returning welcome back it's good to have you with us Uh, a couple of announcements here uh indie pods united that is a podcast summit that is coming up that i am one of the founders of and very involved in producing and uh bringing this uh virtual podcast convention to podcast lovers. People out there that love podcasts, you have a podcast, you you produce a podcast, anything that has to do with podcasting, um, this is where you're going to want to be. It is November 29th through December 1st. Uh, you can sign your show up. We are currently uh, accepting applications to uh, have your show on uh, or in the um convention uh there's going to be podcasts music games workshops speakers networking and community uh like i said this will be november 25 uh 29th through december 3rd if you want to sign your show up go to indiepodsunited.com and just sign up go into the podcast uh button and fill out the google form and that's it and then we'll get back to you so if that's what you you like, that's happening. Uh go over to indiepodsunited.com for all the information uh for this event. It's gonna be great. Uh it's a five day deal, probably twelve hours a day. Uh so lots to do. Um we're having a lot of speakers and workshops uh and then just other shows. So if it's something you want to do, shoot over. As always, if you want to help support the show, go down to the show notes uh go to the link tree link it is l i n k t r dot e e forward slash nowhere to go but up and that's all the ways to connect to the show all the ways to support the show you know right now is a is a tough time i i understand that financially a lot of people um you know we don't have you know or don't have your job or you know just what we've come out of or are currently trying to get out of is you know it's not happened very quickly so if you can't afford to support the show monetarily, if you do nothing else, just hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you want to take it a little bit further, then go ahead and give me a review, five-star review, whatever you think it is. Uh, review review the podcast. Uh, that's a good way for me to get feedback on, on you know, you, the listeners, and, uh, you know, what you're getting out of uh, what I'm doing, uh, if you are. So that's uh, another way that you can uh, help support the show you're going to start seeing a lot of a lot more episodes start dropping. Like I said, I've got over 50 that need to go out. So I'm, you know, I got some people helping me out now. Uh, so we should be getting through these. I just, like I said, I want to get through all of them. That way I can just release once a week and, and get on a schedule that way you can know, you know, when you can you know, expect to uh, an episode to drop right now. It's just, as I finish them, I'm letting them go. Uh, so, that will change that hopefully will change. Today I'm talking with uh, Fiona Eckersley. She's a confidence coach, an author, and a divorce recovery expert. She works with women in their 40s who struggle uh, with challenges of divorce and fears to move on with their lives. Uh, she uses her own experience and studies to help these women get on the other side, and she has a second book coming out soon. Her first book was Fear to Fabulous: Unlock Your Power, Move On, and Thrive after Midlife Divorce." Uh, This is a really good conversation. I uh, enjoyed talking to Fiona. Um, You know, a lot of this has to do with uh, you know failed relationships, abusive relationships, toxic relationships, uh, divorce, and uh, you know self self awareness and uh, you know divorce recovery, basically. So let's get to the show. This is the nowhere to go but up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking to Fiona Eckersley. Uh, Fiona is a confidence coach and author who works primarily with women after their divorce. She has a book called Fearful to Fabulous, Unlock Your Power, Move On, and Thrive After Midlife Divorce. Fiona, how are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing?
2: Well, I'm hanging in there.
0: <laughs>
2: Considering.
0: I think that's the best most of us can say at this point, right?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's time we're in times of uncertainty. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. We keep getting put, you know, we just got extended another month. June 1st is now our new date. Uh, so I, who knows, man, I'm just trying to, uh, avoid media at all costs and, (laughs) uh, continue doing what I'm doing.
0: Right. I think the thing about these times of uncertainty is though, I think if a lot of us look back on our lives, we've probably been in this situation of times of uncertainty so many times. We just haven't associated the two things together. You know, when you just don't really know what's going to happen next in your life, it's kind of the same. I mean, this way we're all in it together. When it happens to you personally, it's a little trickier.
2: Well, I think it's a lot easier when it happens to you uh, personally, because at least you know that the, that the norm is is still going on around you and you're just dealing with like, so the structure of everything is still here and I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do. But I know that everything that I know that that's normal is still normal. You know,
0: I guess there's two ways to look at it. It's like, why is everybody else going on normally and I'm having such a rotten time? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I guess it's, yeah. Yeah, there's no perfect thing that's the answer
2: <laughs> potatoes potatoes tomatoes exactly. tomatoes yeah you know we all perceive things differently and have yeah. different takes on it that's what makes us great about being human
0: it's true
2: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your book and uh, you say you got a manuscript you just turned in about uh for another one
0: yeah actually turned it i'm gonna turn it in today um the second book is is uh not really titled yet because you don't decide that until the end. But basically it's, it's about um, being too scared to fall in love again after divorce and how to cope with that and where to go. Um, but the book that we're talking about today is called Fearful to Fabulous. And that is basically the seven steps that I use with my clients that I found for myself from massive trial and error um, <laughs> about how to get from feeling like just confused and fearful of the, fab- of the future you know, to, to live in the best life that you can and, and really feeling great about yourself.
2: Yeah. Divorce. Uh, I am horrible, uh, with relationships. I have five failed ones. Uh, and I am currently, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. they're not failures. They're learning experiences.
2: Well, you, yeah, I mean, you can, <laughs> you, it sounds better when I say I've got five failed relationships because it paints the picture like, Oh God, this guy is horrible. Uh, well, that's know,
0: what I, but then, but then, when you say that to yourself, how's that setting you up for the next one, right?
2: Good point. It's it's yeah. it's it's giving me it's giving me a reason to not uh, to to not invest uh, uh, emotionally.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what my second book is about.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh it, it's tough, man. Uh, relationships are hard, especially when when you don't have a a good uh example of one when you're a child.
0: Yes, exactly, and that's what I I mean for myself that was, that was so true, you know, growing up in a very abusive household. My father was an alcoholic. Um and you just you, you have no role model. Like your bar is so low on what is acceptable that it's like, well, He's not yelling at me or hitting me, so it must be good, right? <laughs> and uh, and I find that a lot of the women that I work with, um, they've been in, you know, they don't have the perfect parent. Nobody's perfect parent, by the way. I've probably done a lot to screw up my children all by myself. But, you know, they don't have that fairy tale upbringing and that just puts so many ideas and feelings into you that you're just not really sure what you're looking for.
2: Well, and and, and behaviors are learned.
0: Yes, you know what sure. I mean,
2: and so when you're in a situation where you've got a, a, a unhealthy uh, household and the relationships are, you know, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of arguments, a lot of, uh, you know, verbal abuse, uh, physical abuse, maybe, uh, but verbal is just enough. All right, a verbal, ab- verbally abusive and mentally abusive relationship is just enough for your daughter. yeah, you know, I have a daughter myself and it's the reason why I got out of my last relationship because I was like, all right, well, I've got to stop the cycle here. All yeah. right. I need to paint. I, I need to be the role model for her, uh, that can realize that when something like this starts happening in a relationship that she's in that, no, that's not normal. Okay. It's not a normal thing. It's not
0: normal and it's not acceptable and you deserve to be treated in a better manner. I know that, um, not to rag on my ex-husband, you know, we all have our issues, right? And he came from where he came from and I came from where I came from. And unfortunately, we fit together really well for a while. But um, there were things that he would say, it it was a very controlling relationship. And there were things that he would say to me that were a put down that honestly, I didn't even, they went over my head. Like I didn't even notice it at the time. Um, until friends pointed it out to me later and they're like, Oh no, he used to tell you to shut up all the time. And I'm like, he did, you know? Um, but one day after my divorce, my oldest daughter who was living with her boyfriend, she was in college and she was sitting in my kitchen and he had come to visit first time I'd ever met him. And he said something to her that was, uh, and this is, this girl is a firecracker. Like she don't take any crap from anybody. Right. And he said something to her that was such a put down, and she didn't even respond. And I looked at her and I was like, what? And after he'd gone, I pointed it out to her and she hadn't heard it. And that was when I realized that this this generational pattern, you know, my grandmother, my mother, my sisters, my probably my great-grandmother, right? I, I needed to to point this out to her that this was happening. And um, fortunately, she's with a great guy now. She got rid of that one. <laughs> um, this one she's with now is lovely. But she, you know... it's what they hear. It's what they hear. It's what they become the norm. And, um, you know, I have four kids and one of them's a a boy. And again, right after my divorce, he, I was trying to fix something and he was so patronizing and he put me down so badly. Another friend looked at me and said, did your husband used to talk to you like that? And I was like, God, yeah. (laughs) Again, conversation with my son, like, this is not how you treat people. You know, it's just, the biggest thing is being aware of what's going on. And for the most part, we're not because we, we we don't recognize it as not normal. Right.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I, I went through the same thing. I mean, I, I was, uh, I would talk to my mom. Uh, I mean, even up until maybe as recent as eight months ago to a year ago, I would still kind of like talk to her. Like I would talk to my ex or, you know, just not be, very uh not tactful at all
0: respectful not yeah, re- respectful
2: yeah maybe. not 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 respectful um and so it was in recognizing that in myself and and not liking how i i was towards other people that i had to start taking a look and stepping back and going okay it isn't everybody else okay it it's you you're the problem Right, You know, and, and yes, I could say, okay, well, it's, it's your fault that, that I'm this way because of look at how you raised me and look at what you allowed me to be uh, uh, exposed to uh, as a child. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. We know what we know until we know something different. Right.
0: Right. And that, and that's the problem is that um, not to be victim blaming, right. We cannot, but we can all be a victim. I mean, we all have something that happened to us that made us the way we are. And that's, you know, to a certain extent, then you can understand and you can be compassionate with yourself for that. And that's what you do to allow yourself to recover because you say, okay, I understand it's, it's not something that, you know, I caused, but it's damn well something that you can fix.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: you can keep blaming other people forever and that's, but that's easy. It's not going to solve your problems it's not going to help your own relationships it's not going to change the way that you live your life
2: yeah and i think i think a big part of that is that once you once you realize uh that you know a you're either on the receiving end or on the 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 giving end you know you're you're the one doing it or the you're the one receiving it you it's up to you to to make the determination which where you fall there and once you're aware of it, now you have an obligation because you can't claim, oh, "I know." You know, <laughs> it's uh, you have an obligation to either fix it or just continue to be a piece of shit. Right. right?
0: And, and honestly, most of us are on both ends. You know, we use what we've taken in to give out. Right. Um. You know, I can look back and there were huge mistakes. I understand some of the things now that my ex said about me. I mean, apparently I'm the devil. That's fine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, some of it I would disagree with. But some of it I can be like, "Mm, okay, I can see why you thought that. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a very different person today than I was when we were married. And certainly different than the person I was when we got divorced. Um, So you've just got to kind of, um, you know, we're all coming from different places. And the communication communication has to happen (laughs) and sometimes one person's talking up here and the other person's talking down there and it's just missing you
2: know yeah communication is definitely the key to anything uh feeling like you're understood uh we we definitely don't get taught how to how to communicate uh in school um we don't get taught how to communicate you know if you're not teaching it to your children then it's not being taught and so i think a huge part of where we fall in society as we allow, uh, we pass off a lot of the education to the educators instead of, you know, cause we're all so busy, uh, you know, we got to go to work, you know, get to the, get to the sitter, do this, do that. You know what I mean? We're all trying to, uh, run this rat race and we push off some of the major responsibilities off on other people for our children. And you know, a lot of that is like, dude, a lot of this has to start at home. You
0: know? Yeah. And hopefully, you know, if there are going to be good things coming out of the situation that we're all in now, hopefully people being at home with their kids all day, you know, and, and having to, I used to be a teacher as well before all of this. Um, and it can be hard, you know, people will come and they'd say about their, you know, five-year-olds, like I can't get him to stop playing on the iPad. It's like, he's five. What do you mean? You got take it away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and talk to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, hopefully now that we're all home, you know, with the, the kids that instead of them driving you crazy and you're driving them crazy, which I'm sure will happen, <laughs> um, there can be a little more sitting down to have dinner together and a little more, you know, not running off to soccer practice every afternoon and hockey practice and whatever else people do i mean i couldn't believe how crazy busy i couldn't even make dinner some nights because i was too busy driving my kids around um and that's kind of and that's kind of the society a lot of america is living in right now
2: and i think a lot of that's by design if you have a population that's so busy that they can't pay attention to anything a lot of things can happen that you're not aware of. And then pretty soon you go to do something. You're like, how, when did that pass or how, you know what I mean? When, did, how did, how did we end up here where we all yeah. are? You know, I don't know. Where, where are you? Where are you from originally? Or where are you? Where are you? Oh, I know you're English, but I mean, where are you oh, living yeah. now?
0: now? I'm living, I live in Connecticut.
2: Okay. Uh, so everything started from that side of the world and it made its way to this side of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So think about how, you know, gun rights and all that other stuff. They don't have that over there anymore. They're trying to do that here now. So you can see, uh, I don't know, we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. I need
2: to contain myself, man. So this is, this is me practicing, uh, uh, you know, not going where I want to go. Uh, <laughs> But yes, it, you know, let's stick to divorce and, and stuff like that. It's tough. It is tough. Relationships are hard. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, dysfunctionality and, and, and that just comes into picking your person. You know, a lot of people just get, they, I don't, I fall into this, uh, when you mistake lust for love or maybe you. Lisa. you know what I mean you mistake lust for love
0: and there's there's the patterns that we fall into I mean you know there's that old adage like you marry one of your parents the thing is it's true it's true you marry what or you you have a relationship with what you know even if that that situation turns out to be incredibly uncomfortable like I for some, you know, I, growing up, my, my household was chaotic. I mean, there was just drama nonstop. It was, you know, I could talk for hours on it, but I'm not going to, but what it did for me was I thought I was this person who was like, no, I'm drama free. I'm not dealing with that. But what it, what I did was I would always have not just relationships, but like friends who were like, I said that I always like interesting people. No, these were like crazy people who just had, horrible dramas going on in their life and it was my way of being around it without sort of saying that I'm that type of person, you know. So toxic relationships and then as far as romantic relationships, they always turned out to be these controlling I'm supposed to be this big strong woman, right? <laughs> Yet I always end up with guys who like told me what to do. <laughs> and and I would like stupidly follow along. Like what? And it's just it's a pattern that you get into because that's your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And breaking out of that pattern, because until you fix that, you're never going to have a relationship that's going to come out the way you want it. You might end up with a 50 year marriage. You know, my grandparents were married for 64 years, but, uh, did he cheat on her multiple times? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, it's not, you know, my parents were married till my mother died. I think it was like, I don't know, 40 something years. Um, um, should she have left him before I was even born? Probably. Yeah. You know, it's like we get stuck in these relationships and it's just easier to, to keep repeating that pattern over and over again than it is to like break out and try something new. You know, it, it's like, we have that little lizard brain back there or the monkey brain, whatever people call call it. And the, the whole thing about that is it, it's sort of telling you like, well, this is what you did yesterday. And he, you didn't die, so that must be a good thing, right? <laughs> if you try something new, who knows what's gonna happen, right? Maybe your head'll explode, who knows, right? So that's what we do. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again and thinking it's gonna be different this time, and it isn't.
2: Yeah, I what I tell what I tell uh people sometimes, I'm like, especially women when they when they keep falling for the same same kind of guy, right? I'm like, all right, well, you're, you're tired of, you know, uh, choosing the guy that, you know, doesn't want to settle down, uh, can't like a guy like me. All right. And so it's like, all right, well, I've told you that, you know, I'm not available emotionally. Um, you know, I I'm pretty busy. I'm trying to achieve a bunch of goals, but I want to have fun still. And you know, if you're down with that, that's cool. And so I've had this one, I'm like, all right, well, you need you need to train a guy and tell them exactly what you will put up with and what you won't put up with, all right? And most of those guys that are just not going to commit to you, when you show that you have, that that you're not going to be a pushover and that you stand your ground, most guys like me will just move on to, to lower-hanging fruit.
0: Right, but the problem is, is that a lot of these women think that if they can just, I mean, and and hello, I was one, right? (laughs) They just think that if they just hang in there, they can fix you. Mm. They're going to be the one to fix you and change you. And because because that, I don't know, it's ingrained in us somehow. Or they don't have the confidence in themselves to just say, all right, then that's not what I want and walk away.
2: Yeah, right. Well, if they you did to, that,
0: you have to train yourself to say like, it's okay to be on my own. So many women that I've talked to, um, have literally, you know, their biggest fear right now. And their biggest problem is that they have never been without a boyfriend of her husband since they were like 13 years old. And they're 50 something now.
2: Mm. Like they
0: don't know how to be alone. And the problem is, is because they don't, and this is sound very like, you know, coachy, <laughs> but, but it's the truth. They don't love themselves. They don't like themselves. They don't believe in themselves. They're not comfortable with hanging out on their own. And that's why they cannot be on their own. And that's why they're going to try and fix you, right, to make you available to them. Yeah. And what happens is they try to change the person they are to fit in with, this is, <laughs> this is all my second book, to fit in with what you want rather then say you are not what I want. I'm walking away. Does that make
2: sense? Yeah. Well, I, know I mean, that. it all it all it, it all comes down to doing your research in the beginning before you even get involved, and and right. and, and 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 build emotions with for this person, or or even get to the point where, because yeah, this happens a lot too, is that the sex ends up being good the oxytocin starts kicking in in the women and they start, you know, those, that chemical reaction starts happening in their body and they're like, Oh my God, well maybe this could be the one. And, and, and if you're not, you know, if you're, you, I mean, this is gonna, this is gonna work against me because I I need you to be the other way so (laughs) I, so I can keep getting laid, you, you know, but I mean, it's really, you have to, you have to know exactly what you're, you you have to come in with intention. Right. And if you and don't
0: that's that, actually, again, this is all, this is exactly because of all this experience I've had with these women. This is why I wrote this second book. And that's the like second chapter, I think, or second step. It's like, you have to know what your intentions are. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just want to go out there and have fun, I have no problem with that. I, man, I had a great, I had a great time after my divorce and I would not interested in meeting anybody else. But there comes a point in time where you probably change your mind, and you have to keep assessing what is it I want. And if you don't really know what your expectations are, you're going to get hurt a lot. Now, if you're expect, and and in this day and age, you know where do we meet men mostly? At my, you know, fifties, forties, fifties and up, you meet them online, and it's very clearly stated there what somebody wants. And if some person says, I just want a casual friend and you want to get married, then don't even go there. Mm. Like, don't look at it and go, oh, but he looks so nice. It's like, no, he's stated, he's told you what he wants. The problem is, is um, and I'm sure this happens the other way. I don't want to put women in the position of being the only ones who mess up. But it's like, we're so focused on what we, we think we can change in people and what we want that we're just going, we ignore stuff. We make excuses for people's bad behavior. You know, and we ignore all the red flags and that's what gets people into trouble.
2: So on the flip side of that, so yeah, the intention is clearly stated in, in an online dating app, but so as somebody who online dates, the workaround for that is, is that when a guy puts on there, I'm just into it for casual, whatever, right? All of a sudden your interaction goes down.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. So people lie online.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So your interaction goes down. And then the moment you put that you want a relationship, your interaction goes up. Now it works the opposite with the women. So when women say, I want a relationship, I think that their interaction goes down a little bit. And then a lot of them, like I, I watched this, this trend happening where more women started putting casual, you know, just casual something, uh, uh, no commit. Yeah. No commitment. And I was seeing a lot of that. And so I'm sure that their numbers went through the roof because if, if you're a guy and you, Oh, she just wants, just wants to have fun. Oh shit. I'm gonna talk to her. You know, I
0: guess what you got to learn is it's not a numbers game. Right. Well,
2: well what you got to learn is, is that look, you have to have some, some clear guidelines of what you're looking for. And, exactly. and, and if this is, you know, and you need to know what the red flags are and you need to be willing to walk w- once one appears. Yeah. And, and you,
0: people aren't, that's the problem. They will, they'll ignore them deliberately or, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that after my divorce, um, <laughs> it's funny, this guy just texted me last week after my divorce, I, um, got into a relationship with someone and, it, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm telling you that two weeks in I knew there was something seriously wrong with this person. I mean, if, if I'd have, if I had been, it would have been one of my friends that was going out with him. I would have been like, you, you got to run away from this guy. There's something, off. there's something off. Something is not right here. It's, it's love bombing. It's too good to be true. It's like, it's like so nice. It's creepy. Right. And You know what? I went on, I went out with him on and off for four years. We were engaged (laughs) finally to the point where I had to, after we I'd not even spoken to all my children had to block him on social media. My entire family had to block him on social media. I had to change, you know, block him on my phone and my emails. He's obviously got a new phone now because he texted me the other day (laughs) because he read my book and he's in it. (laughs) But, um, but you know, I finally, a year after I'd even spoken to him or had any communication with him, I had to get the police to call him to tell him to go. I mean, there was something seriously wrong with this person, but I ignored every, I kept thinking I put so much into it. You know, I was different then, obviously I put so much into it, you know, or maybe he's not that bad. Where am I going to find anybody else that wants to go out with me? I mean, you, you name it, I was justifying it all. Right. And, um, this is what we do. So you have to, you have to see those red flags. And when you get that gut reaction, you got to act on it.
2: Yeah. And I always, always, your gut is always right. That's the thing. Yeah. It's usually your first, your first impression is the one that, that you should have followed the whole time. You know, when you have that, Oh, well, no, you should go with the, mm, you know, cause that, that's the one that's right. and, You know, there there are. Look, I'm not a bad guy, and I'm very I'm very upfront, pretty much about my intentions. It's like, look, I'm 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 a I co parent. I spend a lot of time with my ex still, you know, because we're trying to raise a daughter. We don't get along with each other. We can't stand each other, but we come together for the the common good of our daughter. You know, what's good for me is good for my kid. What's good for my ex is good for my kid. So as long as we stay there in that space, it works. But somebody else, you know, that just doesn't work. That situation, if I had another person in my life or another female in my life, it, it probably wouldn't work out so good. You know, because there's always going to be that thought, well, you know, you're know, you probably going to get back together with her and, you know, all that self-doubt starts coming in. So it's like I really have to be.
0: Well, yeah, you'd have to be with someone who who is very confident in their own, in their self, right?
2: And that's hard but to find. It, it is. You know? It
0: is. It's true. That's why I'm busy, yeah. I guess.
2: Yeah, I've I've had to make a, a huge adjustment because, you know, I'm I was dating a couple of different people and they knew they knew they knew that. And uh, you know, my place where I'm staying now, I mean you see I, I live in a fifth wheel, they weren't allowing nobody into this uh this park. You know, they were like, Nope, everything's closed off. I just had to talk to the guy yesterday. I said, Hey look, man, this is another month is going on. I mean, do you really expect me to to not I mean it's bad enough that any time I have somebody here, you're knowing that I'm gonna have sex with them. You know, it's like it's because ah, it's it's really frustrating. Oh, sure.
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like this forced celibacy thing is really killing me. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. It, it's you. You have intention. Have intention. Know what you want. You know, we're really good about knowing what we don't want, and we're really bad about knowing what we do want.
0: Right exactly I remember um a conversation I had with um actually they're married now my friend and he was a boyfriend at the time and he said to me what so what are you looking for and it was like the hardest question (laughs) that anybody had ever asked me I just kind of looked at him and I went uh what (laughs) like I I didn't know I hadn't thought about it you know and that's that's part of the problem. You got to think about it. It's it's so easy. The problem, one of the issues, is is that society makes us feel like there's something wrong with us if we're not part of a couple. Mm. You know, um, the first time I went to the movies on my own, even my kids were like, "Mom, that's so sad," and I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> i love my children i'm like what do you mean it's not sad i wanted to go see the movie and none of my friends wanted to see it so i was like why can't i go on my own right now if i was sitting in a bar every night doing shots yeah that's sad right yeah. <laughs> but but going to a movie on my own i don't see a problem with that um but yeah because people think that you have to be part of a couple to do anything fun you know to go on vacation or go out to dinner or do you know, there's inherently there's got to be something wrong with you if you don't have somebody else. Yeah. Especially as an older woman, like people look at you differently.
2: Well, and and until you figure out you, you're going to be no good to anybody else. You know, I mean, I to anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, start with that. Just start with that alone. All right. If, if you don't know yourself and what you want, how is anybody else going to know? Or how can you, how are you going to be able to articulate that to somebody else for them to reciprocate?
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really the ultimate message in both of my books. (laughs) You don't tell people that up front because they don't want to know that that's hard. That's hard stuff. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. I certainly didn't want to do that. I didn't think I was going to do that. It just luckily for me evolved that that's the place, you know, that's what happened, but it's, it's hard to do on your own, like, because you don't know why you're behaving the way you're behaving or you're feeling the way you're feeling. Unless you have somebody to help you through that hard part and hold you accountable to doing that work, you know, it's probably, it's probably not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like, or, or it will happen, but it'll take a really long time and there'll be a lot of painful stuff on the way. Yeah. I I listened to your podcast before. I know your, your history. It's like, you know, that's speaking of which one of the things that's in, in the book, Fearful to Fabulous is, is the bad habits that we develop in order to make ourselves feel better and feel better about ourselves. Um, you know, ranging from anything to like shopping too much, right. Which you can't, if you can't afford it, um, and then you feel rotten about yourself because you, you're angry with yourself. So what, I'll go and buy another shirt, right? To to doing alcohol, drugs, whatever it does to make you feel better. But in the long run, all that does is just screw up your life more and make you hate yourself more. Yeah, you're and it's just like this downward spiral.
2: You're just prolonging the inevitable. Yeah. You know or never, yeah. You know, you're just you're just putting it off to the back. Eh, I'll deal with that later. You know, let me go, let me go max out this credit card because it feels good and oh i'm amazing look how good i look and all this new stuff that i have that i can't share with anybody because nobody can stand to be around me
0: yeah until you wake up the next day and then you're like oh my god what did i do you know and then you feel even worse and then it's just it's it's never ending yeah so you got to break those patterns
2: so what so give me give me uh i mean you know coaching i think that's why coaching is so popular now like everybody's a damn coach
0: <laughs> it's true that's, that's very true i was doing it, i think i was doing it before it was so trendy i have to say
2: but well i mean look at it. it you know you can uh you go on instagram you've got all these you've got these millennials now and and some of these other people i mean not, nothing against them but you've got people that don't have really any, any experience in in being a life coach or, or life at all uh, i'm a coach now i'm a coach I'm a coach. I'm a coach. This. I'm a coach. That. I'm going to tell you how to live your how, how to live your best life. And well, I just started living mine.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> well, true. And and I have to say, I mean, when I first started, um, I actually took a coaching course. It was a health coaching course, and it was a six month course. And and I did everything diligently, and I did, you know, I was I was very good about all that. But I have to tell you, my dog could probably have passed that course because nobody was checking up on you. Like I got my little certificate that says i'm a certified ah! oh sorry, <laughs> I have my little certificate that says, you know I'm a certified coach, but honestly that in the greater realm of everything I know and I'm helping people with, that actually didn't help me at all. That didn't inform me to help people you know, and I get a lot of um when I go to networking meetings and things, I get a lot of questions I'd say what I do um it's mostly men there to be honest, and they say like oh are you a- psych- are you a licensed psychologist and I go no." <laughs> and they're like well what qualifies you for what you do and I'm like you know what my life qualifies me for what I do Mm -hmm. if you've got three or four hours I'll tell you about it right but it's just um it is when somebody basically I'll tell you you know I have a free call I, I offer a free 45 minute call for people to talk to me before before we start to work together to see if we're a good fit whatever And a lot of the women, when I get to the end of the call, they'll say to me, and honestly, I'm not making this up. They'll say to me, I've been in therapy like on and off for years, but talking to you because you've, you've been through this and you know how I feel and you understand how to get to the other side. That's it's, even this talk has been so helpful to me, you know, and, and I'm not putting psychologists down in any way. I mean, they're highly educated. They've done a lot of work and a lot of them have also been through their own stuff. Right. But it's like, Talking to someone who knows exactly how you feel in that moment and understanding how you can get through it, that's what you need from a coach. You don't want somebody who's just decided, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to do business leadership. Like, and like you said, they're 30 and it's like, what, what have you done?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's, a, it's just, uh, it's hard to navigate because there's so much out there. You know? Um, but I but I do believe that's why it's so popular and why so many people are getting involved in it and why it's trending so hard is that there is a connection there that that people aren't getting somewhere which is making it attractive. You right. know what, you know what I mean? And that's what I do, we're we're a, a species of humans that thrive on connection and And making connections and and meaning and and you know there's the we're we're just, we're weird we're weird we're like weird. that,
0: and it really you know what it's kind of a it's kind of a first world problem to be honest i mean um you know I lived in Africa for a couple of years these people were worried about developing their their self awareness they were worried about like is the well dry you know can i can i have I got enough rice for dinner this evening, you know what I mean, or my one meal that I have um But it's like it's part of the reason, too, that, you know, the over 40, over 50 divorce is like the rate is shooting up. It's because I think that people are now so aware of everything that's going on around them. They're like, I don't want to. This is making me sad and I don't want to be in this marriage. I might live for another 30, 40, 50 years. I don't want to be with this person. I want to have my best life. And I think, you know, people are realizing that there's more out there for them. And so when they see the opportunity to fix things in their life, a lot of people are now ready to do that.
2: I, I, I also think that technology and, you know, the, the old ways of doing things, you know, because before technology got here, everything was just kind of set in stone on on what how to do things you know what i mean okay well if you're you know you get married you find a husband you go to college university uh you do this you do that you you you, you dot all the 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 i's and cross all the t's of of becoming a human an adult in, in life and we're told that these are the certain things that you need to follow well right. i mean where's that gotten us yeah
0: well everybody's on their tracks right you're on your little tracks depending on where you started from
2: mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um,
0: it's interesting. I'm going to do some work. (laughs) Speaking of coaches, I'm actually going to be working with some coaches on their imposter syndrome issues because part of what I do is confidence coaching. Um, And it's like that imposter syndrome comes from, you know, who am I I, that you're off your track, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I grew up in a small industrial town. My mother worked in a factory. My dad was this abusive alcoholic. Who am I? I'm living in Fairfield, Connecticut. You know, like I I used to belong to a country club. I like, how did I get here? I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be in this place. You know, and I've been told that by several other people. So it's like you, it's so interesting. In fact, this whole thing that we're going through right now, you know, it's kind of like a screeching halt to that path that many people are on Mm -hmm. because they thought everything was trundling along nicely. And then, Ooh, okay, no, things are changing. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives you that pause to sit back and go like, is this, is this really where I want to go? Is this what I want to do now? You know, is this the person, you know, this, this like uh, gung ho, like office worker, you know, career focused, is that who I want to be? Mm-hmm. or do i want to be somebody else and try something else in my life yeah so well, i think after we finally and it will end <laughs> one day i'm sure you know after it's all done it, there's going to be a lot of of people bursting off those tracks and trying new things i think
2: well they're already doing it i mean most people are picking up picking up their old uh their old whether it's a podcast or you know whatever passion project that you that you had uh maybe something you know you had a book that you wanted to start and now it's the time to do that i mean there's just all kinds of different things that people are are going to be able to do you know while the rest of the world's sort of figuring out how to how to navigate where we're at and i think a lot of it was is just technology and 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 the and society uh really Coming to a halt because technology is moving, but society is not it's having a hard time catching up to technology and so it's like it's almost like we're in a we're in a it's like a magnet you know what I mean a ma- when you try to put a magnet together and it just it and, and it repels, and it repels yeah. itself that's where we're at with technology and society we're trying to figure out how how we can work with it because it's going so fast and you have our governments which Aren't capable of of you know keeping up with it, um, you know, and then whatever, and, and that's a whole nother thing. Uh, you've got our political system right now. That's you know a lot of things are coming to light. There, we're starting to see how it how how unequal it is. I mean, when you can have four senators dump all of their stocks before you know uh, you know that are gonna tank because of the economy and what it's doing right now and then moving all of their money into gig economies to where they're you know what I mean so they're basically insiders right. they away
0: with it. it's not that they did it so they're getting away with it
2: well that's- it's it's legal for them to do that yeah that's how they that's how they make their money that's how they they come in as as how Nancy Pelosi's a millionaire now because they're able to do that legitimately because they wrote the rules they wrote the rules. What do you think they're going to, you know what I mean? It's crazy. And so, and it's blatant and people are really starting to see this and like, okay, well, this is, that's not fair because if I did that, I would go to prison. Why aren't you, you know? So, I mean, there's things like that that are happening that are coming to light. There's, there's okay. The, the whole thing that, you know, here's one of them. Uh, uh, everyone thinks that, um, Medicare for all is bullshit. Well, guess what? How many people that aren't working right now and ain't paying into their into their medical, for, you know, whether it's employer covered, have no medical now?
0: No, I know, and and you know, coming from England, <laughs> I am the the NHS is a you know Americans always quote to me, oh well, you know, you have to wait for operations. It's not as good healthcare. Yeah, it is as good healthcare. I have a friend who was bankrupted because he had cancer, stage four cancer. I had an accident last July. Last July. I just got a bill this week for $3,000. I'm like, I I don't know I'm going to pay. <laughs> like, really? Would you like me to pay that right now in the midst of all this? Um, you know, it. and I have health care, which I pay. And I have to, you know, I have to sign up for this ridiculously expensive monthly thing. And I still have a $6,000 a year deductible. Mm. It's like, but if I didn't have it, thank God when I had, I broke my back. I was in hospital for four days. I had to, you know, what if I hadn't have had any health care? it would have been even more disastrous like i can't even imagine so you know i I don't know why americans think that it's such an outlandish idea because every other country with a a decent government a democratic government basically has medicare medicare (laughs) it's
2: (laughs) because it's because the the population listens to these dipshit politicians that are telling them this all right or or listening to an opposition uh that is actually probably put there by the the insurance people that are benefiting from this you know what i mean it's these corporations that run our government not the not the politicians not the people it's the people that give these guys the money for the elections the re-elections uh, in any sector that you want to say, so either healthcare sector, you've got the military industrial complex sector, sector, you've got all these other sectors. And in all these sectors, there's the big players. All right. Big pharma, oil, you know, what you name it. And they're the ones that are running this stuff. All right. right. Cause the politicians, the politicians are doing what they want. They want them to do. They want them to go and pass these laws. Hey.
0: They're doing, they don't really, I mean, we kind of got off the track here, but you know, I think a lot of them, it's, they're so concerned about the way, if they're going to get elected again, that the integrity of what they really believe doesn't even count for half of what they're doing.
2: No, they go there with great intentions. They, they, they absolutely go there. They
0: have to just keep it going. Then they're like, but how can I help people if I don't give in this? It's back to what we were talking about. It's like. Oh, just let me, like, I want them to like me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? It's not like I need to be the person I need to be. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. So it's the same principle. It's like, I'm going to, I couldn't possibly do my job effectively and stay in government if I don't give in to this one little thing. But Mm -hmm. then it just creeps up and up and up. And then they're, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, well, I guess. It's a perpetual, uh, cycle of, uh, things not working. And it just, it just goes around and around and around. And it's its own abusive cycle. You know what I mean? That, you, that you need to get somebody in there to, uh, that, that wants to make a change. And unfortunately, there's, you know, all the people in, in this country that have wanted to make a change or got a following or, uh, a, a movement behind them ended up getting assassinated. So. <clears throat> Go figure. Yeah, we can
0: talk about guns next, but no.
2: (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, uh, you can, you can call me crazy. You can, you can say that, oh, you're a conspiracy guy. And I'm like, no, no, I just watch the patterns, just uh, everything has patterns in our, in in our society, in our lives. And, and we're really good at recognizing them as humans. That's one thing that we're good at. We can recognize patterns in, in behavior and patterns and situations and just, just, just go back and look. All you got to do, just go back and look and see, you know, what it is. You know, don't take my word for it. Do your own research, which most people don't because we're all fucking lazy.
0: I would concur with that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You know, it it takes a lot of work to find the truth in something now. I mean, Jesus Christ, you have to be an investigative journalist to, to, and and then maybe you might come up with one little kernel of truth, you know, and that's it because it's it, everything's buried with information misinformation disinformation i mean who
0: i think it depends where you're coming from too you know we all have that confirmation bias it's like mm-hmm. um I, and i talk actually about this a lot in my practice it's like um it applies to everything politics included if you if you believe in something and somebody tells you completely the opposite you will find evidence to prove yourself right mm. And you you don't see the evidence to to see yourself. Oh, maybe that's not right. Maybe there is a different side to this. It's what we do as human beings. It's just it's easier to to look for that confirmation than you know I, decide that maybe things could change a little bit.
2: Perfect example. I, I witnessed this the other day. I was over at my ex's. I was watching my kids. So she works from home. I'm not working. Uh, we have a toddler. And so it's almost impossible for her to get any work done with my daughter there and nobody occupying her. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay for a babysitter because I'm not working. So I'll help you out. I'll come over there and I'll watch her. And I was, and she, and she's of the mind where, Oh, this Corona thing is just really getting into, uh, you know, it's really bothering me. I can't go to baseball games. I can't do just like superficial shit. You know what I mean? And there are some of her friends, like the, our babysitter for one doesn't, you know, she's a little bit older and she doesn't feel that way. And so she was telling, talking to somebody, I overheard her and she said, yeah, I just, I can't talk to her because, you know, she just doesn't feel the same way that I do. So I just, I, I, I just don't talk to her about that anymore. So I just go over to here to somebody who agrees with me and, and I just talk to them about it. And right. I'm like, okay. You so- don't learn anything that way. Yeah, I'm like, all right, so you're just you're staying in your pool of of people that agree with you and then and then that's it. And then so anytime somebody tries to challenge you with something that may be truth, you like I don't want to talk to them. No. You're you're I don't I don't want to deal with them. I mean I'll deal with you on other stuff, but you know, I, I need to keep my my uh my opinions and how I feel safe. And so I'm right. only going to have people that feel the same way around me. And I'm like, we,
0: we, I mean, a lot of people do that. I'm, you know, I may even be guilty of it myself a little bit, but it's, it's good to branch out there every now and then and talk to people who have different views from you and not in a combative way and not that so you – the problem is when we do talk to those people, all we do is we try to persuade them of our point of view. Instead of just saying this is what I believe and listening to what they believe and going, hmm, that's interesting. You know, we try, we try and persuade people. And when they don't, they don't come over to our side, then we get resentful and angry and, you know, and that's where all the abuse comes from.
2: Well, that also plays a part. That also plays a part in this. So if you're, so if this is how she is, right, I'm really good at at owning my shit. All right. If I, if I was, if I wronged you in some way, and I know I did, I'll feel bad about it. And at some point I will probably come and apologize to you and say, Hey, you know, that probably wasn't cool of me to do to you. And I, you know, I, I apologize. I, I, that's not what my intention was. I didn't want to make you feel bad about something, but you know, I know that I didn't. And, and I'm sorry. Um, it, she's not like that. Like, and I, and I don't know if it's, this is like women in general, but just like her and, and Specific, She's not like that. She doesn't, she rarely ever admits that she's wrong. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that's when she's hanging out in her group of people that agree with her, when she's telling the story of us and what our problems were, all she's getting is people that are agreeing with her. So she doesn't see anything wrong with her behavior.
0: Right. And that's, that's what we all do. <laughs> You know what I
2: mean? And so it's I mean,
0: Yes, no, I totally agree with you. It's it's hard to um it is hard to understand that sometimes you might have messed up and you you're wrong and you've hurt somebody. And it it you know, when you're surrounded by people who I I bet you know, first of all, when she's telling the story and, and you know, both sides do it, right? It's like when people say their ex husband I don't know what I'm allowed to say on your program. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, okay. Like, oh, all ex-husbands are assholes and all ex-wives are bitches, right? It's true because from your point of view, that's the truth, right? I am the devil to Mm -hmm. my Mm ex-husband, but to my friends, he is complete pure evil, right? None of those things are true in actual fact. You know, we're both like human beings who who were doing our best and screwed up in several major ways you know um and the thing is when i'm when i was telling my friends from my point of view what happened of course they're going to agree with me right and when he tells his story i've heard some of the things he said about me and i was like how could you pop like really like that's outrageous but he he said it because he believed it he wasn't trying to deliberately you know put make me appear worse than I was. He really believed the things that he was saying. So unless you can break out of that mindset and have the ability <laughs> to look at two points of view, you're not going to be able to change that story ever. And you're never going to get an apology from somebody who is unable to see that they did someone something wrong. I mean, you know, on an extreme level, the president, for example, <laughs> is like so far into his narcissistic beliefs about himself like he everything that comes out of his mouth he believes is true when he says it mm-hmm. he's also like a master marketer like if i could market the way he marks it i'd be millionaire by it. i'd be a multi-millionaire like he is playing to his audience at all times and yeah. what he say, he, he like owns everything, he believes everything he says when it comes out of his mouth.
2: Well, I think the, the, the appeal that a lot of people have to him is that uh, he's the guy that we all want to be at some, at, at some level, you know what I mean? Well, not at some level. We, we yeah. want to be able to say the things that he says, you know what I mean? To people
0: and get away with it and get
2: away with it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and not care. That I hurt somebody's feelings. Not, the
0: thing. He doesn't care. Like yeah. he doesn't. Cause he doesn't know. It's not even that he doesn't care. He hasn't, he, whatever's going on with him doesn't have the capacity to understand that he's hurting other people.
2: Well, and I think that this is the problem with what, with the politicians that we have and the people that we, we put up in these positions is that they're so far removed from what the average American struggles with. Like, how is a millionaire or a billionaire gonna understand the problems that I'm having uh, as a parent? Uh, you know what I mean? Because you don't, you're not dealing with that. You, you're already a millionaire. You're, you're. Who's taking care of your children? Not you. <laughs> the nanny is. You know, you're, you're employing all these people to do do all of the things that we all have to do. So not only, right. you know what I mean. And so I think that. Going forward, the people that we put in these positions are the people that have actually helped build the country and helped defend the country.
0: Right. And I think that, you know, not to put all millionaires down, I actually know some nice ones, but, um, you know, people like, and I'm not endorsing him in any way, but somebody like Bloomberg, or I can't remember his name, the guy with all the stocks, um, they actually started off really in a very you know poor they were poor they grew up and they they got themselves to where they are today so at least they kind of understand where people are coming from it gives them more of an understanding
2: that, sort of sort of but
0: i mean i guess they're a bit far removed from it now so that's your point
2: sort of but they have they 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 have their friends that so the thing so the, the thing when when people when when you're when you have that kind of money all right all of your friends have that kind of money. So when you get, when you, when you get in, 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 into a, a situation where you can move markets and make decisions that will benefit all of them because they have all the money. That's what crony capitalism is, you know? So that, that, that wall that, that Trump was building, uh, on the border, Oh, the wall, Mexico's gonna pay for it. No, you know, Mexico's not gonna pay for it. The United States is gonna pay for it. And all of your friends that you owe for helping you get to where you go are going to be the ones that get the contracts to build that damn wall.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually what happened.
2: <laughs> it's what always happens. Yeah, it's what always happens. And so by putting somebody who's a millionaire into a position where you, you you have the ability to have no big contracts that you award to your friends that help put you where you are. That's it. That's not, that's not in the best interest of the American people, of the taxpayers. It's not. And so if you have people in there, like I thought Tulsi Gabbard would have been the absolute amazing person to be a president because you've defended the country. You did two tours in Iraq You're a woman of color. You understand what, what it is. You're talking out, you're, you're, you're calling out the military industrial complex and all of the regime change wars that are funding the very people that are giving these politicians the, the, the money to, for reelections, elections. elections. Uh, you know, do they spend 85% of their time trying to get reelected once they get elected?
0: Right. They have to start the next day, right? Yeah. I I mean, You know, I think that part of the problem is, you know, my my oldest daughter, well, probably all the kids, um, were very, they were huge Bernie fans, right? And I I said, I, believe me, if he could get elected, I would totally think he was the best person because all the social programs that he wanted to, you know, again, as an English person, I thought that was great. The problem is, I think a lot of people in this country, for some reason, whatever, are not They're not in that space. Like we talked about before, they've they've been sort of indoctrinated with all these ideas like it's socialism. Well, socialism and communism are not the same thing, first of all. And um, helping people is not a bad thing. (laughs) But somehow people here are not. I don't want to put down all Americans, future clients, but (laughs) but it's it's. um, They don't seem in a position to understand. They're not ready for it yet. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. For some reason,
2: well, there are. We're in socialism, all right. What do you think the bailout is? That's socialism well, for the rich, okay. And all of these bailout, people that you, all, that my but,
0: son, who got fired from his waitering job, has not had, did not get.
2: Okay, but yeah. what? But what I'm saying is, is that this bailout you're talking about, Bernie, and let's say AOC, and all of even. I don't know what uh Tulsi Gabbard's vote was on this um but I do know that it was 96 to nothing for this bailout. Even Elizabeth Warren who her whole platform was 2008 and the ba- and, and being against the bailout that we did for the, for the for the for the the rich basically for the banks who kicked 5 million people out of their homes in 2008 through 2010. You know when when the housing market crashed. So none of them stood up and said this bailout is bullshit.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that, I, I, I guess a lot of it, you know, when you hear that, like um, the staple center, the staple center, are you frozen up? Yes. I'm going to keep talking. Cause yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, you you're good. Me, you're good. You're good. You're good. You still there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. You, you, you um, can go.
0: I don't know. The Lakers got like $5 million or something.
2: They returned it, but yes, yeah, they, well, did.
0: they did. But the, the fact is they got it in the first place. Right. Um, but you know
2: talking shake
0: to shop. my yeah shake chat. talking to my relatives in england you know who are all struggling um my my nieces and nephews the companies that they work for the government gives them 80% of their salary and the companies are giving them 20% of their salary so so they're getting paid even though they're not working and we it- going. so the company doesn't have to fire them and I, I get it. It's a lot smaller country and, and things are completely different. And it, it's hard to compare the two because of the size. But just just looking at the way that they have dealt with helping out regular people to try and not have them lose their job and not need to go to food banks. And, you know, just reduce that whole stress of how am I going to pay my rent? You know yeah. that yeah. I, I don't see why at least some part of that could not happen here.
2: Well, because you have, you, it's just, it's not designed that way. It's not designed for the people it's designed for the, it's designed for the, for the politicians and for the super wealthy and for them to continue to get wealthy. Uh, and I, and I'm not trying to say, Oh, well, you know, we're all poor and they're all against us. And yeah, we do have options, but they're, they're very limited. You know, it, it takes, it takes it takes a lot to be able to, you know. It, it, people say that we don't live in a caste system, but I, 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 I would like to beg to differ. I think we do. I think we do to a certain extent because if you're born poor, it's hard for you to get to that next level.
0: It is. It is, and it's funny because that's the big that's the big selling point of America, right? You know, you look at countries like England, and they go, "Oh, they have the class system," but uh, not anymore. First of all it's it well when i went it was free to go to college not many people went it was like 10% of the population but now it's you know 14 maybe i don't even know 14000 total for the whole thing right which and the government helps you with that so i would you're right i would say there's way more of a class system here first of all you can't even pass your sat's here unless your parents are able to i mean you can pass but not maybe as well unless you're able for your parents to pay for some really expensive course
2: mm.
0: that you can take to help, because the SATs are not what you learn in school. They're what you think you should know.
2: Yeah. yeah like yeah.
0: The whole, I'm like it used to confuse me. I'm like, why don't you just take exams at school? And they look at that, Yeah. you know, I don't get it. Like I just took a levels at school and then they're like, Oh, this is what you got in school. Okay. Now you can go to college. Like I, you know, so right there, first of all, you go to a rotten school, you don't get the same education. You don't have enough food to eat, so you can't focus on your education. Then you have to pass some exam that you have to pay for, really expensive, you know. And then it's what, average $50,000 a year to go to college?
2: That you will never be free of because the government subsidizes those loans, and now you forever own that debt?
0: Yeah, no, my oldest daughter still paying every it's a biggest bill every month is their student
2: loan so how how did how did that even happen how, how is the government even involved in in a private entity's uh, finances and whether or not they get paid or not so i mean that whole thing in itself is kind of shady so i mean you, you really start digging into what you, the united states is and what america is we're not free we are not free sorry we can come and go we can come and go as we please but there are there are invisible uh like uh, wires that keep us you know locked in to where we are i mean it li- literally is the matrix you know if, if you if you really want to stop and think about it and yeah right. there are there are
0: and that, that's the track we talked talking about the track that yeah. people get put on right mm-hmm. and Break, you can break out. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> it, it, no, it's it's you possible. You got to do the work to believe that you could do it. That's the difference.
2: It's possible, but I mean, it's I mean, it's it's few and far between, you know. And and it 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 takes having a a team around you to be able to help you do that. So yeah, let's just say that I could possibly like if like I know what I need to do to take my game to the next level in the podcasting world, in the uh, social media realm. And that would be to write that book. Okay. Cause I got a, I've got about three books that I could turn my life into. Um, but it's a matter of just finding the time and the discipline to do it. Right. Writing a book isn't easy. It's tough.
0: Um, I did mine in nine weeks.
2: Okay, but you're, but that that's no, how you're no, that's I, how you're wired. Okay, you, the, you, well, you probably it
0: was, it was a program. I was in a program that helped me. I had someone to help me.
2: Okay, yeah. So, I
0: wrote it, but they put the steps in place for me.
2: Yeah. So for me, I would like. I hate writing. I don't like writing. I'm a good writer. I just don't like doing it. Uh, I could find better things to do with my time than you know sitting down there and trying to figure it out. So for me, what it would take is is actually voicing it. Voice the whole damn book and then take it to somebody and have them piece it together and turn it into something. Right. But you know, I, I know I need to do that. I know that would take me to the next level, but my discipline isn't there. And so it's, it's nobody's fault, but my own. Right. I can't blame, I can't blame my laziness on anybody else.
0: I, you know what? I guess you could look at it that it's not necessarily laziness. It's, you got to look at your, maybe it's not a priority. Maybe you think it's a priority, but if you really wanted to do it, if it was really something that was that important to you, you could do it.
2: True. True. But I mean, I have this, this podcast. I mean, you know, it's like, all right, well, I'm trying to build that up. Uh, and 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 maybe this is just a part of my plan, right? So I'm building up my podcast and my followers and my downloads and everything else. So now that when I do write that book, I've already got an organic audience built that wants to know more about that would want that book, you know?
0: I guess it depends. What do you think? What what is your uh end game is what, with a book? What is it that you intend to do with that book? Like,
2: what do you think it will get you? Uh, more speaking engagements, uh, legit, okay. le- legitim- legitimizing what I'm doing, and and basically because I'm not a professional in anything, right? I, I'm I, what I know is me. i I'm am I'm, I'm I'm professional at knowing about myself and what I've been through, and the things that I've been through. Not a whole lot of people have been through. And so, I mean, I can reach a whole different audience, like, you know, the ex-offenders, people who've been to prison, uh, you know, people that have you know, had, had horrible things in their life and, you know, they've managed to, you know, turn tragedy to triumph. Right. You know, that's my space. And so I'm, it would just be legitimizing me and giving something somebody can actually read and and that, that you're not going to get in a one-hour podcast or a two hour podcast. Cause my, my, my story is got so many different parts in it. I told somebody the other day, I said, look, man, I, my life would make shameless look funny.
0: <laughs> I heard, I heard the um, podcast. I heard one of them and I heard a lot of your, not all of it clearly, yeah. but, but a lot of what you, you know, you've been through. Um, and it, you know, I think that's a good reason for writing your book. You know, if you if you think, I mean, I can tell you from, from experience, if you think the actual book's going to make you any money, unless you're like mega famous, like Beyonce or Michelle Obama, you, you're not, that's not going to happen. But, the, but getting your message out there and helping it to make a difference mm-hmm. to other people, which is what it would be doing, right? And that's that's what makes it important. And that's why I wrote mine. It was to make a difference for other people so that they – may not want access to me or have the ability to have access to me or somebody like me, but at least they can read that and see like, Oh, you know, there's light at the end of this tunnel.
2: Yeah, You know what I mean? But And then that also gives you like, you know, cause with that comes the PR for that book cause you usually have to do that yourself. That puts you in front of another audience and gives you the experience to get in front of people and talk to people. And so, I mean, it just, it's, it's all a part of, that whole industry that turns into speaking engagements, which turn right. into all of these other things, people now want you because they've read your story or they've heard your story, or there's a buzz about you now that you didn't have before you wrote that book. And now it just gives you more opportunities to get in, in front of people and get your message out there. And at some and point in,
0: time for you to do it. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> Sure. Instead of
0: watching T V tonight, just sit down and start talking into into a recorder. Just talk. Just talk for like two hours and see what you get.
2: Well, I'm gonna have to the, the my, my free days right now are uh Fridays and Thursdays. And so today you are number two of nine that I have scheduled. Oh my of, goodness. Of these. Okay. And tomorrow I got six more scheduled. So I mean I'm really good at at, at doing this it's just it's the other it's this is the fun part you know th- this is the fun yeah, i
0: love doing these actually i love doing podcasts
2: yeah it's the editing and all the I other to stuff to
0: Put it together I, I like be the guest i want no, i don't know if i'd want to run my own <laughs> yeah
2: so yeah that that's where that's where it lies so i mean i'm having fun doing it i'll figure it out uh, i'll i'll get tired and well, either my listeners will get tired of me talking about reading writing a book and like get on my ass and go like hey where's that book you keep talking about it did, did you start it <laughs> Countability. Exactly. Or just finding that team, you know, finding that team of people that I can have around me, uh, you know, that you know, all these great podcasts are, you know, why they're great and you know, they have a bunch of people that are working on them. You've got producers, you've got uh, you know, other people that are in the background. Joe Rogan, he's got Jamie who does all the stuff, you know, on the background that makes and all he has to do is show up. Uh,
0: yeah, but you know what? I think a lot of people who want to listen to what you're saying—that's the problem. We all have this perfection, imposter syndrome thing, which yeah, is yeah. what I'm teaching these other coaches about. The truth is, the people are tuning into you because they want to hear what you're saying. They don't give it like my dog just barked in the middle, which probably is a no-no for a lot of like, oh my god, that's right. It, that's not the important part, right? The important part is what you're saying, and honestly. Your listeners don't care whether you have some kind of professional production, you know, and and most of them, to be honest, don't even know the difference. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, this guy's talking and I'm listening. Right. And it it makes you more more accessible. It makes you more um, relatable. And you know, it gets you, whatever gets your message across is the most important thing. So I wouldn't stress about the fact that yours isn't, you know, produced oh. by some fancy whatever. That's not important. It's what you're saying that's important, and that's what gets you the the people listening. You could have the most amazing setup ever if you're talking a load of crap, nobody's going to listen to you.
2: Yeah, I, I was I was talking more about like uh, like help. You know what I mean oh, on, on the back on the know. on the back end <laughs> on the back end of this. You know what I mean because it's like okay, well, yeah, I've got 17 scheduled in the next two days, and to add to the the 30 that I've got waiting to to be uh, edited, and it's like, well, damn. I mean, I so I mean, it's it, it's I don't know, <laughs> it's fun. I'm I'm having if I'm having I'm live. having fun with it.
0: If you do them live, you won't have to edit them. It'll just go out, <laughs> and you'll be done.
2: Yeah, you know what? That's true. I mean, I might start looking into that as well, you know, because it would be a whole lot better to, but I mean, in the time that I'm, uh, that I have, I mean, it's like, eh, I don't know. Definitely. Yeah, that's something to think about. Definitely. Well, we're at an hour and 11.
0: Oh my gosh. All right.
2: <laughs> T- time flies when you're having fun, huh? Good conversation. We got,
0: we got to point a little bit, but it was, I, from my point of view, I don't know what people listening think, but I thought it was really interesting. <laughs>
2: Well, that's, that's, that's the great thing about getting to know somebody yeah. because that's really what we were doing. We're, we're, I'm getting to know you a little bit about you, your story, your, you know, you've obviously came in knowing some about me, so there didn't have to be a whole lot of that. And we just kind of go where it goes, you know, and, and sorry if anybody, if, if I triggered anybody out there, you know, that, that, you know, deals with, you know, when you hear Trump, you freak out, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter
0: to you anyway. Don't worry about it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um but you know
0: that's the thing you can't worry you can't worry those people are not your people so it's okay because your people will always find you and if they're not your people they're not who cares
2: yeah well fiona said fuck off so i'm gonna go with her yeah <laughs> fuck off you know I'm if
0: quite you- sure you said that <laughs> i guess that was my point <laughs>
2: yeah uh you know just kidding um. Yeah, it's a good fun, man. It's all it's all in fun. It's all in getting to know people. You're getting your message out there. People are getting my message, and and we're just having a good time, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Go ahead and plug anything that you want. Your uh, your places, your spaces, your social media, your book work be found. All this stuff is going to be available on the show notes as well. So have at it. All right.
0: Thank you very much.
2: You gonna plug anything. Oh, or- now?
0: sorry. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you, I you, you
2: can, could. you can do it now and then will it'll also be oh, available okay. in the show All notes.
0: Right. Oh, sorry about that. I was confused. Um, okay. So if you would like a free copy download of the book, um, you can go to fearful to fabulous and you can get a free PDF copy. I'm actually doing a virtual book signing. That's going to be on my Facebook page. Um, my website is findfabulous with the You can see tons of videos, other podcasts, get all the information about how to contact me. Everything is on there essentially. So find dot com.
2: Awesome. And then for you Uh, send me an email with everything you want to appear in the show notes, your links and all that stuff, as well as a picture for the promotional art that I will send back to you. And you can, uh, put that on your social media channels and advertise it, uh, when this is going to come out.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. And, uh, have a good day. What is it? Where are we? Thursday, almost the weekend. Although it feels like every day is a weekend day right now. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Fiona. And uh, yeah, have a good one, man. Good luck to you.
0: Great talk. Good luck with your rest of your crazy day.
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> Bye.